Right, we are in Psalms chapter 69 this morning. We're going to go through this chapter. And something that's, I think, really interesting about the book of Psalms is the variety of Psalms that we have. While, you know, they're just words, and while we don't hear the music, um, you know, we don't know what the tune was for these. We don't know how they sang them. But we can probably, from reading the words, have a pretty good idea of what category they would fit into. And uh, we have psalms that are very happy, that are full of praise, like Psalms 100, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all you lands. I'll bet that wasn't in a minor key. I'll bet that one was a very uh, uplifting, probably a faster song. I picture that one being. Uh, we have, you know, psalms that, you know, I picture them being the same styles like a to God be the glory. You know, to God be the glory, that is a very happy, it's a very uplifting song. We have some songs that are kind of, uh, they get you just thinking about God and kind of cause you to meditate at the wonder of God. Songs like How Great Thou Art. And you can read some of these psalms and you can kind of put them in those different categories. But then there's some psalms like this one that I don't think we have one like this in our hymn book. Because it's actually pretty depressing. I picture this one, you know, sounding just very negative. All right? And, you know, don't anybody raise your hands, all right? especially if I'm going to ask a question, though, and especially if you're a man, don't raise your hand. But, I mean, does anybody ever, like, listen to any, have any songs you listen to when you just need a good cry or something like that? I mean, you know, I don't know if any of you women do that where you, you just need a good cry sometimes, and so you turn on some sappy song, and it just helps you with that emotion. But, you know, some of these psalms, not only are they very sad, some of them are pretty intense. Like, you know, there's kind of some rage here. Okay. Hopefully y'all don't have any rage songs that you listen to. You know, I don't know. So I, I almost picture this one, this psalm here being almost like some, you know, crazy heavy metal type thing. I mean, because ah, that's just what I picture because the words here are pretty intense. I'm sure it didn't sound that way. But at the same time, you know, music is something that it expresses emotion. And, you know, we don't, and while on Sunday morning, you know, our hymn books aren't going to have a lot of negative emotion songs because we're not trying to get you down. We're usually trying to wake people up. We're trying to lift them up. We're trying to get them excited. You know, I don't think it's completely inappropriate to have some songs that just maybe make you want to cry a little bit. You know, sometimes maybe we need that. And, I, and our psalms are definitely like that. And this one is full of negative emotion. So let's go ahead and read through this because I want us, as we go through this, to just point out some truths to you because all of us are going to go through times where we feel these negative emotions, but often our response to these things are wrong. A lot of times maybe we even feel guilty, like, you know, there's something wrong with us. We're not right with God. And the truth is we're all going to feel this way sometimes. And so we might as well understand what's going on and make sure we deal with it in a proper way. So verse 1 says, Save me, O God. For the waters are come into my soul. I sink in deep mire where there is no standing. I am coming to deep waters where the floods overflow me. <clears throat> I am weary of my crying. My throat is dried. Mine eyes fail while I wait for my God. They that hate me without a cause are more than the hairs of mine head. They that would destroy me, being mine enemies wrongfully, are mighty. Then I restored that which I took not away. So something we need to understand about psalms is psalms are not something that you always want to go ultra literal with. Like, I don't believe that David was literally sinking in mire when he wrote this. I mean, for one, who sings or writes a psalm while they're literally sinking in mire? Okay, you know, typically, but you know, you know what you do when you're sinking in mire? You cry out, save me. 
which is what David is doing right here. And so when he's talking about the waters coming over him and all of these things, this is how he feels. And you know what he's doing? He's expressing this to God because he understands that God is the only one that can help him in this situation. And one thing we need to understand is, you know, that, well, first off, you know, it is okay when we're talking to God to let God know exactly how we feel. It's okay. It's okay to do this. It's something that were, you know, so for example, too, when Jesus was on the cross and he said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Okay. Did he say that because God had in fact forsaken Christ? Or is Jesus just expressing his feelings to God because he's literally at that moment, he's carrying the weight of our sin in his holy sinless body while suffering the torments of the cross He's going through all these horrible things alone there on the cross. This is how he felt. But you know what? Had God forsaken him? Because you know what? The Bible also says God did not leave his soul in hell. Neither did he suffer his holy one to see corruption. He brought him up from that. You know what I believe Jesus was doing right here? He might have just been quoting this psalm. Just expressing his feelings to God. Crying out to God. And it's okay for you to you know, let God know what you're feeling. Because the truth is he already understands it. And even though it might not be technically correct what you're saying, if you feel like God has forsaken you, it's okay for you to say that in your prayer. I don't, I don't think God's going to be mad at you for doing that. You're already thinking it in your heart. You know what I think one of our problems is when we pray? We're not even honest with God. The one who can see our hearts. And you know what you need to do is just go ahead and go to Him in prayer in just full honesty, but at the same time too, understand we're probably wrong but allow God to fix that. Allow God to, you know, uh, help you get your heart right on these things. Be willing to get your heart right. But either way, let God know what you're feeling. Let him know what you're going through. And so I'm not going to pretend that I know everything that was going on at the moment Jesus said, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? But I will say, I think we've all been there a time or two in our life where it's like, Lord, are you even paying attention to what's going on in my life? Lord, do you not see the position that I am in right now, I'm sinking in deep mire. I, I'm being flooded by rivers of waters. All these things are going on. And Lord, it seems like I'm all alone right here. You've all felt that way before. So might as well just be honest. And feelings that people have, while often exaggerated, you know, those feelings are real. And we need to, we need to understand that. You know, husbands, you know, when your wife is expressing extreme emotion you know, and she's not technically getting the facts right. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really help for you to just state the actual facts because it doesn't matter what the facts are. She's talking about how she feels. And so that's very real at that point. And I know it's hard for us to understand those things. But if we don't understand those things, understand some things are about to become a reality real fast. And so you might want to just, you might want to just, you know, be there. In comfort and uh, do whatever impossible thing you're being asked to do. <laughs> you know, j- just try. All right. You know, it, it, you know at, le- at least make an effort. But we do. We, a lot of times we do. We answer back with just literal things, and that doesn't help. Okay? And you know what? You don't want God doing that with you. When, when you know when you're down, when you feel like you've been forsaken and you've got all these things going on, you know that's not when you want God to say, you know. You've not resisted on the blood. You know, are you bleeding? 
no, we're not bleeding, but we're, we're definitely feeling something. And let me tell you, God is very compassionate with us. He understands those things. We need to try to make sure we share that with other people. So verse 5 says, O God, thou knowest my foolishness. My sins are not hid from thee. So even though David was not perfect and he had failures, notice David was still not afraid to go and ask God for help. And that's one thing we don't ever want to make the mistake of doing is allowing our current situation, our current spiritual condition to stop us from going to God. Too many people have this attitude, well, I'll go to God, you know, after I get my act together. I'm going to see if I can't make myself worthy. Let me tell you, the last thing you ever want to do is go to God with an attitude of I'm worthy to come to you right now. You know, you won't even get saved if you do that. You all understand if you're going to get saved, you have to come to him with the attitude of I'm a sinner and I am only trusting in you to save me. But, you know, we've got a lot of people today and we know these people aren't saved. They come to God thinking, well, you know what? Fine. I, you know, I have. I finally repented of all my sins. I cleaned up my act. I threw this out. I did that. I'm, I'm in church. Okay. Let's do this. Let's go get baptized now. You know, I, I'm ready. I've repented. We know that's not salvation, is it? Salvation is when a person recognizes, I am hopeless without Christ. I am not worthy. And when those people come to Christ and they acknowledge that sin, you know what? He abundantly pardons. He saves them. Saves them forever. Saves them to the uttermost. And, when, and even as a Christian, we don't want to have the attitude of, well, you know what? I'm now worthy to come to God and to get my prayers answered. I went soul winning this week. I've read my Bible every single day. I didn't even watch a movie with a cuss word in it this week. I mean, surely God's ready to answer my prayers now. And that's one of the biggest mistakes we make is thinking prayer is something that we do only when we're worthy. But folks, you're never worthy. And God knows your foolishness. God knows your sins. They're not hid. But you know, and I'm not telling you just go ahead and sin. I'm not telling you we shouldn't try to be clean, try to be worthy. But I'm just telling you, you're foolish if you ever think you are. And you don't understand the holiness of God. And you're actually probably going to hold things up in your prayer life. So verse 6 says, Let not them that wait on thee, O Lord of hosts, be ashamed for my sake. Let not those that seek thee be confounded for my sake, O God of Israel. Because for thy sake I have borne reproach. Shame hath covered my face. I am become a stranger unto my brethren and an alien unto my mother's children. For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up, and the reproaches of them that reproach thee are fallen upon me. Often when we uh, find there's going to be times where we feel very alone and like we're just cut off from everyone. And that happens in church too. Sometimes when you're in a church, you feel like nobody in the church cares about me. And you know, first off, that's not true. But you know, you know why we feel this way? And let's just be honest with ourselves today. Because, you know, while a lot of people want to debate today, you know, heliocentricity, geocentricity, all that stuff. You know, some of y'all think the whole universe revolves around you. That's where the real debate is. You know, that's where, that's where the real problem is. It's like we center everything around us. And it's like, you know, I expressed to Brother Daniel, I, don't like, I didn't like that one particular song. And he did that song. Well, maybe everyone else in the church liked it, but it's all about what you want, right? Pastor Tommy, I don't like when you preach this style of sermon. I don't like when you do this, but you know what? Maybe that's what the Lord wants me to do. Maybe that's what is needed. And often we judge everything based on our likings, our situations, 
And when people, you know, when we walk into a church and everyone just doesn't automatically do all the things that we wanted them to do, they don't give us the kind of smile we wanted, they don't, you know, greet us the way we wanted or whatever, everything just falls apart. And that's, folks, that's not a good attitude. But again, it doesn't change the fact we often feel very alone. We ought, that, that's how we feel. There's times where we feel like our family, nobody wants to have anything to do with us. He mentions that here. Like we're cut off from our family. We're cut, we find ourselves alone, cut off from everyone. And you know, that's, it's not reality, but it's how we feel. And that's what David is feeling like right here. And so we are. We're always the center of our own universe. And we often judge the state of the world based on the state of our situation, don't we? You know, I mean, why are people in America complaining right now? I'm fine, you know, but then when you're not fine and everyone else is fine, I don't understand why everybody's so satisfied. You know, we should be upset right now. These taxes are killing me. These gas prices are killing me. You know, that, that, the state of the world is always whatever it is here. You know, that's as Americans, we're like that. We think the whole world is like America. That's not, it's just not the case. So, you know, and I, I think some people too, they even have this attitude. They'd almost be happy if the world burned because in their minds it isn't worth saving. But that's because, you know, in their, it's, you know, their world is a mess right now and isn't worth saving. But maybe that's not everyone else's world. That's something you need to think about. And I'm not trying to, you know, I'm not trying to pick on anyone right now. But again, this is how we often feel. This is how David felt in this passage. And even though we're wrong... You know, these feelings are a real thing. And even though we're wrong, it doesn't change the fact we should go to God and tell him about these things. And so just kind of a side note here, something interesting too. In verse nine, he says, for the zeal of mine house hath eaten me up, uh, which is also prophetic in John chapter two and verse 14, it says, and found in the temple, those that sold oxen and sheep and doves and the changes of money sitting. And when he had made a scourge of small cords, he drove them all out of the temple and the sheep and the oxen, and poured out the changers' money, and overthrew the tables, and said unto them that sold doves, Take these things, hence make not my father's house an house of merchandise. And his disciples remember that it was written, The zeal of mine house, thine house hath eaten me up. And notice that phrase, too, eaten me up. That sounds pretty intense. I mean, you know, so if we're going to go ultra-literal, technically, you know, that's cannibalism, right? You know, eating up the flesh. But again... It's not always reality, or it's not always literal, but it's how you feel. And have you ever felt like something was just eating you up? Like something was just tearing your insides out? You know, those are real things. Those are real feelings. And I'm telling you, when you're feeling that, you need to go to God with it. You need to go to Him. It's, it's okay. It doesn't matter how wrong you are. It doesn't matter if you, you've got yourself in that situation. It doesn't matter if you've made mistakes. You've got to go to God with that. He's the only one that can help you with this stuff. Verse 10, when I wept and uh, chastened my soul with fasting, that was to my reproach. I made sackcloth also my garment, and I became a proverb to them. They that sit in the gate speak against me, and I was the song of drunkards. And you know what? Sometimes we, when these things happen, we get angry with ourselves, and we like to just beat ourselves up. And you know, notice he said it was to his reproach. It didn't do anything for him. And it, that's always a sad thing, too, when you see people going through difficult times spiritually 
And instead of going to the healer of broken hearts, instead of going to God who wants to heal us, who wants to fix our problems, we just feel like, no, I just, I'm just going to beat myself up. I'm going to chasten myself. And you know, I don't believe that's, I don't believe that's a solution. I think when you end up doing, sometimes it's just a way too, if we're just honest, we just like to feel sorry for ourselves. But as Christians, you know, we claim to believe all these stories about Jesus healing the blind, healing the lame, doing all of these things. And then, you know, we look at these stories where how when Jesus went to the one city, he didn't do many mighty works because of their unbelief. We think, man, how pathetic are these people? But then at the same time, when we're hurting spiritually and all those physical things Jesus did, he did those things to prove he can do the spiritual, which are actually more important. We claim to believe all those things. But then when we find ourselves in a situation where we need some healing, what do we want to do? We just want to beat ourselves up even more. That's not a time to do that. You know why we do that? It's our lack of faith. Do you, do you truly not think he's able to fix your problem, that he's not able to heal you? Do you really... Is that how you feel? Are you too, as a saved child of God, one who has a King James Bible and knows these stories, has grown up being taught these stories, do you really think he can't do this? That's that's not a good attitude right there. So, verse 13, he says, But as for me, my prayer is unto thee, O Lord, in an acceptable time, O God, in the multitude of thy mercy, hear me in the truth of thy salvation. And notice that verse too. This is also prophetic where he refers to this acceptable time. He refers to the multitude of his mercy and in the truth of thy salvation. This is why I believe what Paul was referring to in 2 Corinthians 6 2, where he said, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And in the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And what is it that we tell people when we're trying to get them saved? We try to tell them, when, especially when people want to put off salvation. And let me tell you, whenever you give the gospel to somebody, and this is just kind of a side note here. Whenever you give the gospel to somebody and they're telling you they believe it, but yet they're not ready to get saved. Okay, Just understand, it's because they're misunderstanding some things they probably have it in their head, I've got to clean my act up first. I've got to turn from all of my sins first, and then I will be worthy of salvation. That's, what, that's often what they're thinking. And whenever that happens, it is good for us to go to this passage you know, and say, Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And the thing is, too, you know, why is it always today that's the day of salvation instead of tomorrow? And it's, it's because of the fact that a person who truly understands salvation and that it's completely of God's mercies, they know better than to think they can clean their act up and make themselves worthy of salvation. So again, if you're thinking, well, I'll get saved tomorrow because I will be more ready, you don't understand salvation. Listen, the day of salvation is the day you get a hold of the fact that you're sinful and you can't save yourself. And so this is a very appropriate verse, and it would be good, I think, too, to even go back to Psalm 69 to show where he's talking about the multitude of God's mercies. We've got to be depending on that in order to be saved. And so just like people shouldn't wait around to get saved, you know what? You shouldn't wait around to ask God for help. Don't wait and say, you know what? I'm going to go be good for a week, and then I'll be able to come to God for, for mercy. No, 
God wants us to be dependent on his mercies even after salvation too. God wants us being dependent on that, relying completely on that. And again, I'm not trying to tell you don't clean up your act, don't try to turn from your sins, whatever. We should always be trying to do that every day of our life. But I am telling you, when you find yourself in a low point, in a, in a tough situation like this, it is one of the most foolish things you could do to wait until tomorrow or to try to be worthy of it. You can't do that. You can't come to a holy God with an attitude of, I'm now ready, I'm worthy. No, we, ha- we come to a holy God on bended knee. We come to a holy God begging for mercy, completely dependent on his, mer- on his mercy. We need to come to a holy God with our face to the ground in shame rather than standing with our, with our chest out like, all right, I'm ready. Let me tell you about what I did this week. You know, that's a lot of people, they always have this attitude. You know, I just, you know, we think people's, our prayers are going to get answered based on how good of a Christian we are. And I'm not telling you the key to being, getting your prayers answered is being a sorry Christian. But I am telling you the key to getting your prayer, you know, the key to getting your answer, your prayers answered is understanding I don't deserve to get my prayers answered. Have you ever been there before where you saw somebody get their prayers answered and you thought, Lord, how are you answering their prayers before mine? Okay, that right there shows that you are coming to God with an attitude of I am worthy. If you've ever been upset and, and let, you know what, you've been there before. If you've ever felt like God wasn't fair because he answered someone else's prayer, when you had the same prayer, that just shows right there you had that attitude. That, that, that is a very easy thing to fall into, but we've got to watch out for that. We can't be worthy. And folks, just like today is the day of salvation, you know what? Today is the day to come to God and to ask for mercy. Today is the day to come to God and to ask for blessings and to ask for better circumstances or whatever it is that you feel you need in your life. Today is the day to do it. So verse 14, deliver me out of the mire and let me not sink. Let me be delivered from them that hate me and out of the deep waters. Let not the water flood overflow me, neither let the deep swallow me up, and let not the pit shut her mouth upon me. Hear me, O Lord, for thy loving kindness is good. Turn unto me according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, and hide not thy face from thy servant, for I am in trouble. Hear me speedily. Now, folks, notice David here, he's, he almost sounds like he's getting a little demanding with God, isn't he? I mean, he's, not only is he saying, hear me, hear me speedily. Lord, do this quick. I mean, that's, that's what he said. He, you know, he's saying, hear me. Let not the water flood overflow me. Don't let these things happen. Don't, don't allow this to happen. Now, folks, you can, you can look at that, and a lot of times we get real spiritual. and be like, I would never go to God with that kind of attitude. I'm just going to go to God and whatever's happening, Lord, your will be done. You know, my, we have a car wreck and my wife and kids are pinned under a burning vehicle. You know, if it's God's will, you know, I'm fine either way. And you're just standing there. You know, no, it's okay for you to cry out and to say, Lord, save me, save my family. Help me. It's okay. It's okay for you to do that kind of thing. God wants us asking for things. But you know, the Bible does say we have not because we ask not. Or maybe too, you know, we're, we ask, but it's like we're just going through the motions. You're not really asking. You know, you, you don't really want that. And it's, all, and it's obvious to God. He sees through that. And I'm, I'm telling you, I think we're so busy trying to prove to God that we're worthy of answered prayers, 
that we're way more spiritual than we are, that we do. It's like we go to God, just kind of lying to him all the time. And God wants us to just, I think he wants us to be who we really are at that time. And listen, if you're just a sorry, no good, dirty, rotten scallywag, I'm not telling you that that's okay. You know, let God help you fix that. But if that's where you are right now, today's the day you need to go to him, ask for mercy, go like that. But, you know, let God clean, you know, let God clean you up too. But don't you clean yourself up and then go to God. That's what I'm saying. Let's, you know, go now according to the multitude of his tender mercies. So David was not afraid to tell God what he wanted. He wasn't afraid to tell God, hurry up. And folks, we see in the Bible, you know, God's people, sometimes it's crazy, but these were the most impressive people that had the most impressive prayers answered, kind of telling God what to do. And and I hope you don't get the wrong idea about this. Okay. You know, because a lot of times we do, we treat God like he's our magic genie in a bottle. Okay. But at the same time, you know, remember Moses when he told, we talked about it Wednesday, he told God, don't kill your people. He reminded God of his promises that he made. He told God to repent. And you know what? God repented. I mean, think about that for a minute. Now, why, did God, why, did, why would God do that? Why would God listen to him? You know why? Because God loves his people and he wants to bless them. He wants to help them. He wants to show them mercy. That's just who he is. It's in his character. But at the same time, too, you know, Moses, while he asked, you know, while he told God to repent and while he called out at that moment, you know, Moses understood those people deserve to get torched. He understood all that. Moses, I mean, Moses, but this is what Moses wanted. Moses even told God, Lord, blot me out of the book instead. That, that was Moses' attitude. And you know what? Not only did God not blot Mo, uh, Moses out of the book, God didn't destroy all the people like he wanted to do it. You'd be surprised what God might just do for you if you just ask him, if you just go to him and just are dependent on his mercies. There's just something, that's just kind of who God is. And I, I can't explain all this stuff. I can't always tell you how he's going to do it, when he's going to do it, why he does it. I can't tell you though, he often does it. So you should always go. It says in verse 18, Draw nigh unto my soul and redeem it. Deliver me because of mine enemies. Thou hast known my reproach and my shame and my dishonor. Mine adversaries are all before thee. Reproach hath broken mine heart. I am full of heaviness. And I look for some to take pity, but there was none. And for comforters, but I found none. And heaviness is a word that we see in the Bible that today we often call that de- depression. And why, you know, why do we call things depression? We often feel like there's weights on us. And that's how David felt at that time. He felt very alone. And again, even though we're never really alone, we still feel that way. That's, that's how we feel. And David went to God for help. He says in verse 21, They gave me also gall for my meat. And in my thirst, they gave me vinegar to drink. Now, we know that this is prophetic about Jesus. Where they literally, while Jesus was on the cross, they gave him vinegar when he said, I thirst. That is not comforting. That is not, when, when, you're, when you're struggling from thirst, vinegar is not what you want. You want water at that time. But they gave Jesus vinegar. Now, why did David say this? Now, obviously, he said it under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost because it was prophetic about the Messiah. 
But you, you want to know, too, in a more practical way why he said this? It's kind of like some of you before. Maybe you've been into church and you're like, you know what I just need today from God's people? I need a warm hug from someone. I need some fellowship. I need some compassion. And instead, nobody shook my hand. Instead, you know what? Somebody told me to get out of their seat. Instead, you know, somebody was rude to me. You know what they did? They, you know, they gave you gall. They gave you vinegar instead, you know, instead of water. And, you know, you needed some sweetness and they gave you lemons. All right. They gave you, they gave you something sour. So that's what that verse, while it had a literal prophetic meaning, it's also figurative. And we often get the wrong thing or get exactly what we did not want from people. And that's. That's part of life. That's part of life. People do that all the time, and we need to. Again, that's why we need to go to God. People are really bad at giving us what we need sometimes, and uh, and unfortunately, and, and that can cause a lot of grief in our hearts. And so, verse twenty-two says, "Let their table become a snare before them, and that which should have been for their welfare, let it become a trap. Let their eyes be darkened that they see not, and make their loins continually to shake." Pour out thine indignation upon them, and let thy wrathful anger take hold of them. Let their habitation be desolate, and let none dwell in their tents. For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten, and they talk to grief of those that thou hast wounded. Add iniquity to their iniquity, and let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living, and not be written with the righteousness. And this also is prophetic about those who crucified Christ. I believe it. This is this is very prophetic. And while while I don't think it's a hundred percent always a hundred percent of the time appropriate for us to pray to God to deal with our enemies the same way, you know, it did right here. You know, I do I do think it's okay for us to go to God and ask for help for against our enemies and to deal with our enemies. It's okay to do that. Okay. Now said so this passage right here. It's talking pretty hardcore, but again, this is prophetic about Jesus, people who are spitting on him, crucifying him, you know, betraying him. Uh, one of these verses, we're not going to go into it, it's prophetic about Judas Iscariot. We know that Judas was a reprobate. So again, this is some really strong words. Now, if I have an enemy that's messing with me, all right, let's say that, uh, you know, I get ripped off, somebody rips off $20 from me, okay? That was wrong, they shouldn't have done that. You know, and it's okay for me to pray to God for justice, but I don't know if I necessarily need to pray that they die and that, you know, their whole family get wiped out and we can overdo it, right? And a lot of times people will take these passages about very extreme things and use it to justify extreme prayer and precatory prayers against people for the smallest things. And it's just like, yeah, I'm mad at that person, but I don't, I don't need their, you know, I don't need them to melt like a snail today. Okay, some people, all right, but but not not necessarily my neighbor that cussed me out. You know, I, I'm not ready to pray for his death. <laughs> I, I'm not there yet. So, but at the same time, if I'm ha if I'm getting grief from my neighbor, it's okay for me to go to God and say, Lord, can you deal with him? Lord, can you help him? You know, move <laughs> to a different different neighborhood or something. It's okay. For us to do that kind of thing. God understands these needs that we have. And again, you might be feeling really negative against some people. Go to God about it. Verse 29, But I am poor and sorrowful. 
let, sal- let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall pre- please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. And right here is the key part of this passage that I, that I want us to really focus on here at the end. Because no, again, we've been talking about this attitude. We're always trying to go to God worthy. We're always trying to go to God, you know, with this expectation, all right, I'm good enough now to get my prayers answered instead of going to him with an attitude of mercy. We always think I'm going to go make some sacrifices. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to go soul winning. I'm going to give a little extra in the offering plate. I'm going to do this and this and this. And then God is going to give me what I want. But folks, you got to understand something that God has always loved better than sacrifices is again, the, the only sacrifice that we really, the, or the main sacrifice we need to be thinking about today is the sacrifice of praise. This is something that even in David's day, when God was accepting animal sacrifices, those were never the things that God really wanted. You know, God never really, those, what God has always wanted, is we see in Hebrews 13 verse 15, by him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. You know what God has always wanted? Our praise. And folks, that's the one thing that we can always do. And you can do it when you're sad. You can do it when you're down in the dumps. David did it here. When David is feeling all these horrible negative emotions, when he's sinking in the mire, when he's, got, when he's surrounded by enemies, when all these horrible things are happening... The one while he after he went and he expressed to God exactly what he was feeling. You know what he did? He made sure he took time to praise the name of God. And folks, that is called a sacrifice in Hebrews 13. And we I preached a message a long time ago on New Testament sacrifices. And I did a whole one just on the sacrifice of praise. But folks, did you know that that's not just a New Testament sacrifice? That's an Old Testament sacrifice. And here in the Psalms, before the new covenant has come, before it has been revealed that those things were only temporary, David understood that God likes praise better than he likes oxen. And you know what? God likes to praise the fruit of your lips better than he does you repenting of all your sins and cleaning up your act and trying to come to him. Lord, look how good I've been. Look how clean I am. You know, now answer my prayers. God, you know what God wants? God wants you coming to him, praising his name. Not coming to him saying, Lord, I've been worthy. I fasted for three days this week. God's not up in heaven thinking, oh man, three days. You didn't stuff your face. It's about time because every other day of your life, with the exception of these three, you know, you've ate like an animal. Yeah, I'll answer all your prayers. No, you know what he would rather you do? He would rather you come praising his name, praising his holiness, dependent on his mercy, and, and you know, pray that fruit of your lips, bringing that to him, that pleases him more than any other sacrifice. That's what he is looking for. God has always loved the sacrifice of praise. And folks, when you, when you do that, when you come to God with not an attitude of worthiness, with an attitude of just total dependence on the mercy of God, you know, you know who's pleased by that when they see that? Verse 32 the humble shall see this and be glad. And your heart shall live that seek God. Why, why are the humble going to like that so much? Because humble people, 
They're going to get excited when God is doing good things for other sorry people because they understand we're sorry and we're not worthy of anything. But you know who doesn't like seeing good things happen to the people? The proud. That's why we've got a lot of Pharisees sitting in churches today who in their minds have repented of all their sins. And there's no way that those people in the projects that, you know, called on the Lord for salvation are going into heaven before me. Yeah, you know what? The proud wouldn't like the idea of that very much. But you want to know who rejoices in that kind of preaching and that kind of salvation? Humble people. People who recognize what they really are in the eyes of a holy God. They love that kind of clear gospel. They love that easy believism stuff. They, humble people love hearing that. The proud, not so much. And it's the same thing, too, when it comes to getting prayers answered. The humble, they see this and they're glad because it's like, man, you know what? If God answered his prayers, he'll probably answer my prayers, too. But, you know, some of you, you know, you put on such a good act of spirituality and, you know, I just want to praise the Lord for answering all my prayers this week. I'm not surprised after all I gave in the offering this week. But at the same time, uh, I am thankful that God answered my prayers. And you got other people that are going to be sitting out there thinking, well, you know, I don't have any money to give. Why would the Lord answer my prayers? But you know, when that person who just praises God, like, hey, hey the Lord gave me a blessing this week, and I, I have no idea why. You know, that's, when that's your real attitude, the humble see that, and they're, they're thankful for it. They're glad when that kind of thing happens. It says, for the Lord heareth the poor. And despiseth not his prisoners. Let the heaven and earth praise him, the seas and everything that moveth therein. For God will save Zion and will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession. The seed also of his servants shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell therein. And notice how this psalm, it ends, while this was a pretty depressing psalm for a long time, it ends with David praising God. And there's going to be many times in your life where you are going to feel all the negative feelings that are, were mentioned in this chapter. You're going to feel like David. Sometimes you're going to be suffering because you messed up. Sometimes you're going to be in a bad situation and yeah, you got yourself there. You, you sinned, you did wrong, you were foolish, you're there because you, de you deserve it. But you know what? Don't let that stop you from asking for mercy. Don't let that stop you from calling on the Lord. Sometimes you're going to feel like God doesn't hear you, but don't let that stop you from calling out. And most importantly, you know, while there's going to be many times where you feel like you have no idea what's going on, where you feel like things are just completely out of your control, the one thing you can always do is you can always keep offering up the sacrifices that actually please God. And it's not you being this super righteous, no sin person. You know what it is? It's the praises of God. And, and it's, so, it's so amazing too because you know, people, they love to talk about you know, dispensations and you know, they act like sacrifices in the Old Testament save people. Folks, God has never changed. And you know what? There were people in the Old Testament that got a hold of some of these truths real early on. And even Job. It's amazing, Job who does not, I mean, they say that that was the first book of the Bible written. And yet, so he doesn't have any Bible. Yet, in Job chapter 1, and verse 20, after he loses everything, it says, Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down upon the ground and worshipped. Do you think for five seconds he felt like worshipping at that time? 
did, did you know that earlier in the chapter, Job was actually offering up sacrifices to God for his children, just in case they had committed any sins. But you know what? He didn't offer up more sacrifices here. He just fell down and worship and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You know what he did? He praised God. He gave God a sacrifice that God really wants. Praise the fruit of his lips. And then notice this too. In all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Notice how he didn't, and another part says he didn't sin with his mouth. And what does that mean? I guarantee you Job thought a few things. I guarantee you there were several times where Job thought, Lord, what is going on? What is wrong with you? I guarantee you he thought that. But you know, he didn't say it. And you know, there, while we can't always control how we feel, while we can't always control, you know, what goes into our mind, we can't control what comes out of our mouth. And you know what? We should never curse God. You know, we should never blaspheme the name. You can control that. You know, you can, you can keep, you can, you can avoid doing that kind of thing. And you know what? Even when you don't feel like it, you know what you ought to do? You ought to praise him. And even, I, don't, I don't feel like it. Well, tell God that. And then praise him anyway. Why? Because that's what, that's what pleases God. We're not always going to feel like that. Job said in chapter 23, verse 8, Behold, I go forward, and he is not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand, where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand, and I cannot see him. So this is how Job feels. It's like, I've looked everywhere. I can't find God anywhere in this situation. But you know what? Job claimed he held on to what he knew in his mind was true, even though he wasn't feeling it. And he said, but he knoweth the way that I take. And when he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. He, he trusted God. He kept giving him praise, even when he didn't feel like it. And folks, if you can get anything from this message, I'm just, this is what I want you to get. In your prayers, just go ahead and be honest with God about how you feel. He already knows it anyway. And when, and when you are feeling that way, tell him. And you know what? Still ask him for what you want. Please do not wait until you feel like you're worthy because you are going to be less likely to get it when you feel like you're worthy. Go to him right now for it and through whatever you're going through, no matter what the situation is, keep the sacrifices coming. And folks, it's not the money sacrifices we'd like you to put in the offering plate. It's not sacrificing an animal. It's not you trying to achieve some kind of holiness. You know what it is? It's the sacrifice of praise, the fruit of your lips. Don't quit praising him. Don't quit giving him the glory. That right there is what he wants more than any other sacrifice that you can give. He wants that fruit of your lips, and he's, he is worthy. And even if you don't feel like it, he's worthy, and you're never wrong for praising him. So keep the praises coming his way. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, I pray this message was a help. And Lord, I pray that uh, all of us in here will keep these things in mind, Lord. We'll stop being foolish enough and being deceived into thinking that we can earn some answer to prayers, but help us, Lord, to just uh, run to you for mercy, to remember our dependence on you. And I pray, Lord, uh, you'll uh, help people to overcome some of the maybe negative feelings that they have but uh, and help them to, uh, you'll give them victory. But Lord, 
uh, while they're in that difficult time, I pray you'll give them the comfort they need and help us to just be consistent and always praising you. In your name we pray. Amen.